Welcome to my testimony, and today we have a very special guest from uh, Tallahassee, Florida, Marriott Duval. Welcome to my testimony. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yep, and it's um, we're happy to have you, and um, I know God is going to uh, bless us today as you share your testimony with us. Thank you. So before we get into my testimony, let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to be here again today to hear another testimony of your goodness, of your mercy, and of your compassion upon us. We pray that as Marriott uh, share her testimony, that our souls will be watered and our lives will be changed, and that uh, your Holy Spirit will just abide with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, Maria, tell us, who are you related to in our church? <laughs> My baby sister is Gertrude, mm -hmm. and she's a member at Plantation Adventist Church. Right. Yeah, and that's uh, and Fred. Fred is your your brother-in-law, brother right? So it's Fred and Gertrude. Fred is Tony. my brother-in-law, my dear brother-in-law. We call him little brother. A little yeah. brother. <laughs> yeah, because I'm older than him. Okay. Mm, uh, yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And Fred and Gertrude, you know, we're 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 very close. You know, yeah. close friends with us, man. So you know, yeah. it's good to have you again. So, so um, yes. you have a very unique story. Very, um, yeah. yeah. So start start from the beginning with um with your first husband, Saul. First of all, I have to take deep breath because uh, this story is. It's very touching and can bring back painful memories. Yes. Mm. So uh, I was a student in Brussels, Belgium, in nursing school. I met a young man. I was introduced by Saul to my roommate, Denise. Mm -hmm. Shortly, we became friends. And uh, Saul was raised in a Christian home. He had, uh, he was the youngest brother out of seven children. One of his older sister, Esther, lived in Belgium, Brussels, and his younger sister and another brother were also in Belgium. We all were students. Mm -hmm. So Saul was in school. And his goal was to earn his degree in law. And his plan was to return home and serve his country. Serve, so love politics. Okay. So we did it for a couple of years. We were student. And in December 1985, we were married. We were very happy. I earned my degree in nursing and started working. Mm -hmm. And Saul had two more years to become a lawyer. We were very happy and uh, had a bright future ahead of us. Out of this union, his son was born. His name is Vladimir. Mm -hmm. And he looked just like his dad. Okay. Oh, wow. yep. So it was exciting who had a little boy mm. and uh, I said when men plan God laugh mm. so in 1988 Saul was diagnosed with cancer mm. and our life changed wow. because my son was two years old mm. and here I am with Saul with cancer, and we all know cancer, it's a terminal illness. Right. Most of people do not survive cancer. Right. So after we get married, 
his sisters and brother, they earned their degree. And I believe two of them flew to New York to start the new life. And his older sister, Esther, stay in Belgium one more year. And she was uh, completing her BS in nursing. Mm -hmm. So after Esther completed her degree, she flew back to Miami. And Sol and I and Vlad remained in Belgium. Mm -hmm. So we had no family there. Okay. Just the three of us. So after we had the diagnostic, we called Esther and explained to her what's happening. So Esther came back and uh, assessed our situation and trying to make plans for us. So although Saul was sick, he was determined to continue going to school. Mm, okay. But in 1989, he could not attend school anymore. He was getting weaker. So Esther suggests, just uh, let me take Vlad with me so you guys can plan ahead. And Esther took Vlad with her to Miami. And Sol and I, we stay in Belgium, continue working. Mm. And we are planning eventually to leave Belgium because in Belgium, we were living on a student visa. And once you cannot, you can no longer attend school, your visa expired. expired. Right. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. So here I am, a young, young person, I would say a young bride and with a dying husband. Mm. So it was very painful. So all the plan we made, everything went down to the drain. Wow. Mm. So in August 1989, we flew to Miami. We were happy to be reunited with our son and he was two years old. Right. So we start going to school, learning the language. And uh, my son attended kindergarten. And we just taking one day at a time. And all those all tried to go back to school, but with the disease we knew becoming a lawyer will be impossible. Mm -hmm. It's it's over. Right. So I said family is the best medicine mm -hmm. and I'm very grateful for his family. They stood behind us, they support us, and uh, I I said, Esther is the second mother of my son. Mm. So 1989, 1990, Saul was, big, was getting weaker. Mm. And at this time, he started going to treatment, chemotherapy, radiation, and none of those treatment worked instead of getting better right. is getting weaker mm. and i was devastated so my family although i was in fort lauderdale they called me check on me every day and supported me mm. and praying for me and i have to tell you i came from a strong christian home mom and dad pray for us all the time right. and we do believe prayer that's what sustain us Right, amen, amen. So in May 1991, Saul passed away. Mm. And at that time, my son was nearly six years old. Wow. Not, did not understand what happened to his mm. daddy. Wow. So I was devastated. Mm. 
And I remember, you know, living with grief, it's grief become a part of me. Mm-hmm. And I was acting like an autopilot after Saul passed away. I remember when I get up every morning, I know I have to go to work and I have to take care of my son. Right. So right. I'm not thinking and I don't think I could see no higher than my nose because the pain was so deep, Mm. so profound. So I was thinking, you know, I don't have no family in Fort Lauderdale. My sisters live in Long Island. Maybe I should pack up and leave. I don't have nothing left for me in Fort Lauderdale. Right. And... And the voice was telling me, you know, you lost your husband. This family lost a young son. I don't think it will be appropriate for you to leave and go back to your family. So all family need to see Vladimir going up. They need to be a part of his life. So I never shared this with my family why I stay in Fort Lauderdale, but I decided to stay. Okay. So Esther became the dad and we team up together. I used to go to work seven to three and Esther work night shift. So Esther will take Vlad to school and I'll pick him up. He was always the last one to be picked up because I was always late, but never complained. He understood. So we start living one day at a time, no plan. And uh, I develop a little routine. I get involved in children ministry at church women in ministry because what i learned Mm -hmm. when you are grieving Mm -hmm. staying home having a pity party doesn't work right you know that's when you get into depression Depression. and some people don't get over it right exactly right so i'm a very busy person so i stay involved in church so this particular sunday uh i wake up I wanted to make an egg salad because my son loves eggs. So whatever he wants, I will give it to him. Mm-hmm. So uh, I put two eggs on the boiler and I went back to get myself ready for church. And the plan was to turn off the stove before leaving. Okay. So I believe Sunday school started at 9.30. And I don't want to be late for church. I don't compromise with that. So I left, drove my car, and went to church. So after Sunday school, and the service started, and I was worshiping God. I was in a deep connection. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I remember that I had eggs on the stove. And you didn't turn it off. And I couldn't remember turning it off. Mm. So I was getting anxious. Mm. But I said, God, I don't know if I turn off the stove. But at this moment, I am worshiping you. I don't want to leave the service. I am going to stay. If the stove is on, please send your angel to lower the temperature. Okay. Wow. So I stay. I worship. And, you know, our service lasts a couple hours. So I went home, opened the door of my apartment, and there was smoke in the kitchen. And the saucepan I was using to boil the eggs was completely dark. Mm -hmm. And the eggs were completely ashes. Mm -hmm. So that was my first encounter with God. Mm -hmm. Because 
he's an angel to protect the apartment. Oh, wow. Right. So I thank God for his protection. And I believe that's when my spiritual maturity started. Okay. And I start trusting God more because I said, if he can protect the apartment for nearly four hours, right. yes, God is in control of my life. Amen. Amen. So, the, you know, the first year of his passing was very hard for me as a young widow. I don't know what God has in the future for me. I realized this, you know, being married only for a few years, mm. less than 10 years. I was a widow. As a matter of fact, you know, I had two good years out of this union, only two years okay. of happiness. Right. So about six months, I was driving and uh, I get out of the car. And suddenly I discovered the sky was blue. Seemed like I was so deep in my depression. I did not see the sky. I did not know the sky existed. Oh, wow. So I was so shocked to see, oh, the sky is blue. Wow. wow. I was amazed. Okay. And I think that when my depression was lifted. Okay. So I continue. You know, I don't make no plan. They always said the first year when you're grieving, do not take any decision because you are not thinking clear. Right. So I start living one day at a time and uh, continue trusting God, praying, reading my Bible, get involved in church, and continue raising my son until a couple of years later, at the same church, one day I was leaving and uh, I was approached by a young adult and he introduced himself to me. And the church I attended, it was a, about 600 members. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I know a few people, but... Uh, yeah. Not really. I don't have any any friends. So when this young man approaching me, and he said, "Why are you wearing black?" Mm. And I said, "I'm a widow." Mm. And uh, his eyes open wide, and he smiled, and I left. So I believe a few months later, maybe a few weeks later, another man approaches me. Okay. And this one was more mature man. Okay. Right. And uh, also introduced himself to me. And his name, he said his name is Robert. A Christian man, very calm. And he wants to exchange his phone number with me. And without any hesitation, I just gave him my phone number. Okay. And this guy started calling me mm -hmm. and want to know more about me. And uh, he became friend with Vlad. He started taking Vlad out to the park. And uh, at this moment, I was thinking being a mother and having a young son to raise. Right. I want to be a model for him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a mother, we 
when we raise our kids, we want to make sure they're well taken care of. Right. But mm -hmm. as a mother, there is something boys needed that we cannot provide, we cannot teach them. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, if I ever get married, I want that person to be a Christian. I know nobody can replace his dad, but this person need to love him. Right, yeah. yeah. And uh, he was smart enough to know my intention. So I believe he fell in love with Vlad first in order to gain my heart. Okay. So he invited me to dinner and we became friends. Right. And the rest is history. Okay. So he was he, he was divorced and had two children on his own. They were teenagers okay. when we met. So he told me he wanted to start a new life mm. and find out this young man who approached me was his friend and Robert was his mentor. Okay. And he was playing, he was playing, uh, he was trying to find a woman for his mentor. Mm. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, so he came and when he, he came and interviewed you first. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's right. He was doing his homework. Okay. And I don't know if wow. you remember this uh there was um uh a show on TV. It's it's not a show, I believe uh they call it uh eharmony. Back then, I don't oh, know if okay. you guys the remember the commercial, e e the commercial. Thank you. Yeah. Called e Harmony, right. and uh, Andre called himself, you know, I am e Harmony. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, that's his name, e Harmony. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Robert and I we became friends, and he was very persistent. He said, I'm not going anywhere. You have to marry me. Oh. I am your last train. Wow. That's how he called okay. himself. Okay. I am the last train. Okay. And you are my last stop. Wow. So after several months of praying and fasting, I was very hesitant. Mm. I was very fearful to embark myself to another relation because I was deeply wounded. And also, being a Christian woman, I didn't want to have a boyfriend or having, you know, living with someone without being married. I don't think it would be proper, right. not only in the eyes of God, but for my son. Right. I, want to, I want it to be a model for him. Amen. So Robert and I were married. And when I was married, I was very sad because I was still grieving. Mm. And I have to tell you, uh, you never get over grief. Mm. Grief become a part of you and it's like a shadow. Okay. So uh, we only, you can only get through grief only by the power of God. That's the only way you get through it. Right. Because mm -hmm. no matter how many years when you lost someone, you can never forget that person. It's become a part of your life. Right. And we call it the new normal. Okay. So you live with grief. But only by God's grace, you're able to survive it right. and continue living. Robert was very patient with me. Most of the time, I keep talking to him about Saul. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and uh, right. mm -hmm. what he did was very noble to help me deal with my grief. We used to do getaway weekend. He will go on a short trip, just the three of us. Okay. 
and to get out of the house. Uh, and I do believe that helped me a lot to get uh, to know him better and to deal with my grief and gradually, you know, start a new life with him. Okay. So he was a Christian man, deeply rooted in the world. So we pray together. We read the Bible together and do everything together. Right. And we survived the first year. Amen. I was working as a nurse at that moment. I was working in hospice in Fort Lauderdale. And Robert became a nurse. He said I inspired him to become a nurse as well. Okay. Five years after being married, we had a daughter named Sarah. He was a miracle child because before Sarah, I had two or three miscarriage. Wow. So in order for Sarah to be alive, I had to be on bed rest for nine months. Wow. And it was very painful because mm -hmm. I don't sit down. I'm a very busy person. Right. So uh, for me to be in bed for nine months was very painful. So after Sarah was born, so we thank God for that. We are very happy. So Vlad has finally a little sister. He used okay. to say, you guys, right. am I going to be the only child? You need to get busy. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> okay. And uh, at, the, at one point, Vlad used to call Robert, dude. Oh, and then he'll call me, do that. Dude and do that. Dude and do that. So, <laughs> you know, Robert and Vlad, like I said, they were friends. Robert never tried to replace his dad mm. because I don't think no one could measure, you know, to replace his dad. But he became a, he became his friend. Right, right. And uh, a year, eighteen months after Sarah, Christine was born, and also Christine was a little miracle. So, you know, with Sarah, I had to be on bed rest for nine months. And with Christine, no trouble whatsoever. Oh, wow. I worked until nine months. And I think I did stop a week before delivery. Wow. So we call her automatic. I think one of my sister called her automatic because yeah. Christine just came. She was a gift from God. So here we are, 2000, 2000, Sarah was born, 2001, Christine was born. They, were, they are 18 months apart. Mm. And beautiful girls. And uh, we were happy. I was happy. I was very confident this is the life God wanted. He gave me a second chance to have a second family. Right. So I start living again mm -hmm. and we were involved in church. Our family is strong. We pray together. We continue doing, you know, we plan our vacation together. And life was beautiful. Amen. 2004, Vlad graduated from high school and he had a scholarship going to Kansas, Manhattan, because Vlad played football in high school. Okay. So we're happy for him. Right. So every two months, we start travel to Tallahassee looking for a piece of land. And I believe 2004, from summer 2004 to 2005, that's when we find a piece of land in Monticello. So we're very happy. Right. So uh, we wanted to build a house. And now I, I was very excited. And in 2005, Gertrude moved back to Fort Lauderdale. And I was very sad because she wanted 
to be closer to me. And at that particular moment, we were making plans to move. Okay, okay. So the house is built. And in 2006, we plan to move. And I remember specifically in my prayer, I said, Lord, I wanted to be closer to you. In South Florida, I was very busy. Mm. I couldn't find enough time to pray, spend time, you know, in meditation. And I believe at that moment I was working full time and managed to do per diem in the evening. So I was very busy, a busy mom and busy in my career. Right. So in July 2006, the house, the construction was completed. When they were building the house, Robert asked the contractor to build a prayer room. So in our house, we have a prayer room. Wow. And I'm nice. very grateful right. for it. This is where I spend most of my time, meditation, praying, starting a new life in Tallahassee was very exciting. And all the girls to school. And I developed this now outside routine, yes, but I want to keep my promise. I said, I want to be closer to God. So what I'll do every morning, uh, I pack my Bible and the girls, we have a Bible for them as well and devotional books. I'll pack everything in my car and we do a small devotion with them. While I'm driving, one of them will read and they'll take everyone take turn to read. And when I drop them to school, I'll go to a park and spend time in the scripture. And I have 30 minutes of devotional time. And for me, it's uh, getting my spiritual food. Right. And that's how I start my day. Okay. So it became a part of me. I could not start my day without spending time with God. So life was good. Robert and I, we have a strong relationship. He loved God. He loved his family. In August 2008, Robert flew to New York attending his first grandson questioning because his son was living in New York. Okay. So while he was in New York, Robert had uh, a type of indigestion. So he went to New York on a Saturday and came back Monday morning so when he returned home, he told me he is not feeling good. Mm. Uh, he didn't feel good over the weekend. Okay. And uh, he came back home and he said, I wanted to go see my primary care physician. Say, okay, because I, I don't feel good. I, I feel bloated and I uh, touch his abdomen. I felt a mass on his side. Okay. I said, you need to go see the doctor. Right. So he made an appointment with his primary care physician. And the following week, they gave him an appointment. He went and they found a mass on his, on his side. And, you know, when they, you know, with uh, CAT scan, they do when they find a mask, they have to do other tests. So it was scheduled for a biopsy. Mm. Mm. So I believe a couple of weeks later, 
they schedule a biopsy at the hospital. And I remember that particular morning, since we don't have no family in Tallahassee, so that morning I uh, drove the girls to school and as usual, I parked and to do my devotion and Robert drove himself to the hospital for his biopsy. And the plan was when the test is completed, I will meet him and the doctor. So at the park, his appointment was very early and uh, I was reading my devotion and the verse I was reading was in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, saying, my grace is sufficient. Mm -hmm. And immediately after, I got a call from Robert. And he said, I have cancer. Oh, my. Oh, my. And I said, okay, I'm on my way. I finished my devotion and drove to the hospital. I met with the doctor, he was walking in the hallway and he said, your husband has a rare type of cancer. He's not going to survive. Wow. And I said, really? Wow. And uh, I said, do you mean I have to plan a funeral? Huh. And uh, he didn't give any answer. And I said, what's your prognostic? He said, maybe two or two and a half months. And I look at him straight in the eyes and I said, I'm a believer. So I met with Rob, I drove him home. I think I left my car, I drove him home and I never, share this with him. So I went straight in my prayer room and start praying. So the prayer I said, I said, God, Robert has two or two and a half months to live. Mm. I'm not asking you to do anything for me. I'm asking this for my girls. I wanted you to give me an extension, not for me. Because if you take Robert in two months, my girls will not believe in you. Mm. I know who you are, but, but they don't have no experience with you. So you need to give me an extension, not for me, but for them. So they will know who you are. So I left. I called my sisters and I told them that Robert was diagnosed with cancer. And the day he was diagnosed, the cancer was also metastasized in his liver. So we know the prognostic is poor. So Robert continued working and I believe he was very strong, emotionally very strong and spiritually strong as well. So he continued working. And I remember one day he was working in a rehab facility. I was on my way home and I was 10 minutes away from him, excuse me. He called me and said, I'm in the bathroom, I'm not feeling well. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I'm coming. Right. So I flew where I was and get in the rehab facility and find him. Call, I didn't call the ambulance. I think I was driving faster than the ambulance. Huh load him up in the car, right. put him on a wheelchair, load him up in the car and mm -hmm. took him to the, uh, so he was in the hospital for two weeks. So uh, again, here I am, the two girls, 
take them to school, go to work, and go to the hospital. So Robert started chemotherapy in order to slow down the cancer. But uh, the treatment did not work. Mm. So I continued praying, asking God for I sat bargaining with God. I remember one day we went to see the oncologist. I think it was 2009. At the office, Robert went to the bathroom. I'm waiting for him in the lobby on his way back. He was passing out and I Cut him on time so he does not fall. And I said to someone, call 911. And I prayed that quick prayer. I said, God, not now. I'm not ready. Oh. So he came back to life and we went home. So that specific night, I was so scared. I was crying. I'm asking God, what do I do? Why it's happening to me? Mm. And I believe it was around midnight that night. And uh, I was very afraid. Robert was sleeping. And I said, God, once again, I'm bargaining with you, but this time I'm leaving Robert in your hand. He's yours. You can do whatever you want with him. I'm not going to fight with you anymore. Your will be done. And at this moment, I felt the peace covering me and I went to bed. I was at peace. So the next morning, I called my sister Gertrude. And I believe it was October 2009 or August 2009. I believe October. And I explained to Gertrude what happened at the doctor's office. And I said, Gertrude, I need you. I need your help. He said, what do you want? I said, I want you and uh, Fred to start making arrangements for me because Robert is getting sicker. I don't think he's going to be around for long. Mm. So we need to start making funeral arrangements. Mm. I called my sisters in New York and I have to tell you, I have the best sisters in the whole world. I again said family is the best medicine. Right. So. All my sisters, they make plans, they take turns. Everyone will fly from uh, New York and spend time with us every month. I have someone with me and Gertrude will come every month as well. Sometimes she left her family behind just to be with me, to spend time with me and the girls. I'm very grateful for that. And even my sister-in-law, Esther, also came down and uh, spend time with us. So I I was blessed by my family. Mm. So, you know, God always made provision. Mm. No matter what happened, I am the living proof that even walking in the deep valley, when it's dark, God is with us. I remember February 2009, to be precise. It was February 14, 2009. The reason I remember this clearly because I happened to be born on Valentine's Day. Okay. So I just had another birthday and I'm grateful for that. Uh, I was in the kitchen making breakfast, cooking breakfast. And everyone was sleeping. Sarah, Christine, they were sleeping. 
and Robert was resting. So I was in the kitchen and the stove faced south. And uh, no, the face, uh, face east and uh, I was cooking. And suddenly I was having a conversation with myself on my birthday. And I became very sad. The conversation I had with myself was it just like I had a flash in my mind saying, you know, by this time next year, 2010, Robert is not going to be with you. And I became very, very sad. And I start sobbing by myself. And uh, it seemed like a voice telling me, you know, in my kitchen from the stove, there is a window about 15, 16 feet from the stove. So I was, my back was turning toward the window and seemed the voice telling me, turn your head. And slowly I mm. turned my head on the side and uh, through my window, I saw a man walking toward my door with the most beautiful basket of flowers, tropical flowers coming my way. And uh, he rang the bell and I opened the door. The man has had the delivery of flowers. Wow. And uh, I wiped my tears and there was an envelope in it. And that was flower from my son for my birthday all the way from he ordered this while in kansas so i told myself here i am in my kitchen crying and god made arrangement to have the most beautiful basket of flowers for me and i said the God of the universe can see my tears mm-hmm. and send flowers for me. He was like a bomb adding to my wound. And I believe it was another encounter with God. And I wiped my tears. I said, God, you see me. I'm going to trust you one more time, no matter what happened. So as the month going, so does the disease, Robert start declining. And uh, my mom and dad, they came to help me with the girls so I can continue working. And every morning before going to work, I will, I used to ask Robert, Bob, can I stay home or do you want me to can, or do you do you want me to go to work? Say yes, you can go. Yes, I'm fine, you can go. And every day I would ask the same question. Should I go to work? Said yes, you can go. And my sisters, they continue checking on me. I never pass a day without a phone call from them. And when my mom and dad came, we had prayer. My parents prayed three times a day. That's the routine. And uh, and I do believe at one point, my dad became sick also. Mm. He was in the hospital for two weeks. Wow. So here I am, a dying husband at home, mm. two young girls, and here my dad in the hospital. Mm. So I'll go to work, check on my dad, and come home take care of Robert. So I did that for for a while. But I never stopped doing what I was doing. So every day I'll continue doing my devotion. Same thing. I'll stop in the park, do my time with God. And, And I do believe, you know, when you are hurting, the best way to survive, to keep your head above the water, 
is to stay connected in the word. That's where I get my strength. Mm -hmm. I'm not a strong person, but I remember the verse in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 saying, my grace is sufficient. And uh, I have to tell you, I claim this verse. This verse is mine. Mm. I use it. Mm. I remember his grace is sufficient. Amen. January 9 was a Monday. January 10, Robert started really declining. As an hospice nurse, I know the sign. So I, I, I told my mom, you know, uh, Robert is not going to be around too long. Uh, I do believe over the weekend he's going to pass. So by Wednesday, I call my sisters in New York and I call Gertrude and tell them, you know, this is it. You know, I, I used to wake up every 15 minutes to check on him. And I, I knew uh, his days were numbered. So by Thursday, I was 100% sure he's going to pass away over the weekend and talk to my sisters, mm -hmm. start making plans. So Madeline came Friday night. I believe Friday evening she came and uh, talked with the girl talk with Robert and uh, I call Robert kids. His daughter was living in South Florida. I, I called her and said, you need to make plan to come see your dad. So uh, she came early Sunday morning, four o'clock. Okay. And uh, I told Bob, Tanya is here, but uh, I need you to wait for her. She need to rest. So wait, and I was monitoring his blood pressure. So when he heard Tanya was here, he, he went back to sleep. And I know that was the day, the day was near. So uh, my parents were praying and uh, Sunday, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, you know, my sister, Tanya, and her husband, and we all were in the womb, we were singing, praying. Mm -hmm. And January 17, around two o'clock, Robert was transitioned to heaven. So once again, here I am mm. facing another, another, another loss. And uh, this time I am alone because I have two girls. I have to tell you, you know, uh, my first husband, he had, you know, family. His family were behind me 100%. But Robert, beside his two children, you know, he came from a distant family. And uh, I didn't have any support from his family. So my family was my backbone. Right. My parents stayed with me for a while. But, uh, you know, after a couple months, they flew back to New York. Right. And here I am in Tallahassee just the three of us. Here we go again. Another another widow. This time two girls. And uh, people were telling me, Mihoyet, you know, here you are in Tallahassee. You have no family around. You need to sell this house and, and leave. Mm. And I said, you know, when I was moving from South Florida, I invited God to come with me. So 
I'm not making any plan for now. And I'm going to stay where I am until the good Lord says so. Right. If he wanted me to move out, he will let me know. Right. So I'm staying where I am. And I tell you, where God leads, he provides. Amen. He never forsake me. Amen. And the girls, you know, it was very hard for us and very hard for them because when Robert passed away, Sarah was almost 10 years old and Christine was eight. And you right. can imagine losing your dad at such a tender age. So it was very hard. So they had to go through therapy and for years, they attend grief support through hospice, which I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. And uh, me, I stay connected. I'm a member of a small biblical church. Mm -hmm. The church supported me because I don't have no family, but the church member became my family. Amen. Amen. And what I want to tell other widows going through this and uh, if God allowed you to go to loss it's not to punish you nope. and uh, often people said well, maybe you know you did something you you, you are cursed so it's not in uh, everyday life, you had someone, you know, buried two husbands. Right. Like my situation is very unique. Yeah. But, you know, if God allowed trial and tribulation, yeah. Yeah. it's not to punish us. And I, I do believe those trials help you to rely on God. Mm -hmm. I learned to rely on God with every breath yes. in order for me to keep my keep myself, keep my head above the water mm -hmm. was to trust God Amen. with every, every day with my girls, I had to trust God. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I, I cannot tell you how many times God show up and show me that he's with me. Yep. And uh, I spent a lot of time in my prayer. God knew that I was going to need a safe place to cry, a safe place to be with him. That's why he had us, you know, build this house and have uh, a prayer room because I need it. I need to spend time in prayer. That was the only way I was going to survive those loss. Yeah. And uh, today, I talked to a lot of people about my experience with God, what have been through and through my work, you know, I met other family member dealing with grief. Yep. And when I explained to them what, you know, my story, and uh, they feel encouraged. So they are not alone. Amen. Amen. One thing I need people to know, like I said, this testimony is not about me. Right. It's to testify the glory of God. Amen. His faithfulness. Amen. So when he allows trial to come in our life, is not to punish us. And sometimes the test come is to help us to know who God is. Yes. So what he can do, how he said, uh, he can do beauty from ashes. Yes. So... Uh, for those who are grieving, what I want you to know that 
first of all, when you grieve, do not make long-term plan, especially the first year, mm. because you cannot think clear. You are grieving. Right. Second, you need to stay in the word of God. That's where you can find strength and courage to go on. I was blessed enough to have family to support me, but not everyone has family around. Some widows are alone uh, with young children. And I have to tell you, this is not an easy world to be on. It's very painful. It's very lonely. So. I have to stay on my knees to pray and ask God for strength mm-hmm. every day yep. to go on. Right. And also when you are grieving, don't isolate yourself, get involved in church, in activities, you know, church members, they are good people. If you don't have family, church members can really replace your family. And also, if you are able to go to counseling, also will help you. Amen. I live one day at a time and I'm relying on God. And my prayer, it's uh, every day. I want to be closer to him. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, living in Tallahassee, I was blessed enough to lead someone to Christ before they die. Mm. And uh, if anything, whatever happened in my life, I came to Tallahassee and uh, we came to Tallahassee, four of us came as a family. Now Robert is no longer with us, but if coming to Tallahassee was only to bring someone to Jesus, I think it was worth it. Amen. Amen. It was worth it. Amen. I, I praise God for everything. He allowed me to go to those trials, but he's with me. Amen. 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 Wow. Wow. Powerful. Wow. Powerful testimony. Yes. Merit, uh, <laughs> we are, we are, um, mm. this is so powerful and we, we thank God for your courage yeah. and for for your words of wisdom. Mm. And I know um, a lot of people are going to be touched by this, yeah. uh, especially those who have experienced loss. Yes, yes. Which yeah. is which is which is all of us. Mm-hmm. All of us have experienced loss, mm-hmm. but especially the widows, yeah. especially those who have lost the widows and the and the widowers, mm-hmm. those who have lost a spouse. Yeah. Yes, and. Uh... One thing I have to say, you know, how God can orchestrate things, you know, the day Robert passed away, you know, my sister Madeline was there to comfort my girls. Mm-hmm. And I, I, all, I always said, how can this girl arrange to buy a ticket not knowing she was coming, she will be around the day we need her the most. Right. So who can orchestrate that? Right. Only, God. Only God can do that. Amen. Only God. So he made provision for us. Amen. 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 He made provision. He knew that day I was going to need a shoulder yep. for my girls, yep. somebody else, you know, someone who can relate to me and help me in this particular moment where I'm so vulnerable and uh, I am forever grateful for my family. Amen. 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 All right. I want to thank you so much again. Thank you. And um, God bless you and your your girls and Vlad Mm. and uh, his family. And I know that um, as time go on that you guys um, are going to be healed one day at a time. Mm. Keep healing one day at a time. So thank thank you so much again for sharing your your powerful testimony Testimony. with us today. So 
All right, Donnie, go to pray yeah. yes. Thank you. All right. Loving Father, we thank you so much for this powerful testimony that shows your grace is very sufficient, that shows how much you are always with us, regardless of what we go through, that you are so faithful to stay with us no matter how hard it gets. Thank you for this reminder, God, that the more that we see you in our lives, that you're able to do so much for us, that we can always glorify your name, no matter how hard it is. Mm -hmm. So I pray that you'll be with Mariette and continue to help her and her family as they continue to heal from this and continue to be with everyone that listens that has already gone through this or has experienced this hard, hard reality. Help us to all remember, God, that you are faithful and you are always there for us and you never leave us nor forsake us. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Amen. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, thank you so much again for, yes. for coming on and sharing your testimony. Mm -hmm. And um, we can't wait to meet you in person one of these Absolutely. days. Absolutely. So, <laughs> again. Yeah. We'll see so you again. <laughs> we, we, we're going we're gonna to be coming up to Tallahassee, man. I have to. Yeah. Because <laughs> Anytime. Yeah, I know you probably have some fruit trees in that backyard <laughs> over there, man. So, we got to come and pick some. Well, we try, but with the weather. <laughs> I don't have so much luck. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, whatever you have, we'll, yeah. we'll take it. <laughs> well, you welcome anytime. Anytime. Just give me a ring and uh, we'll be ready for you. Yes. We'll have, we'll love to have you. Yes, I do. All, All right, right then. So thank you so much again and uh, God bless you, okay? Yeah. And your family. Thank Bye. you. God bless you too. Okay. All right.